0: So I'm an industrial designer, which means I create all those cool things from ideas that we surround ourselves, or in this case, uh, geeky people surround themselves with for the most part. And I have absolutely no background in biology, chemistry, or engineering. So bear with me, because I'll be talking about biomedical engineering today. And (laughs) please do stay here in the meantime. Um, Industrial design is about making lots of things identical. And the downside about that is that there's something impersonal about lots of identical things, because when you're trying to design one thing for one person to solve one issue, you can't really do that when you're making things aimed more to a demographic model or to a uh, uh, marketing requirements document, which is what we live by. So I got disheartened by the whole process in general and went to rethink it and redesign designing altogether. Went way back to my early, early design inspirations and back to about eight years old, and that got me to this guy. And anyone here from MIT knows him or has a tattoo or a poster of him somewhere? (laughs) Anyone else in the room, just for a hint, he's the engineer of engineers, or the designer of designers. He's the guy who made Bionics, a household word, in the form of the polyester-clad $6 million man that I grew up with there. And the thing that came from this pop culture show, the real takeaway, was... Two main things. If you're designing for the person, for a real person, you don't settle for the minimum functional requirements. You see how far beyond that you can go, where the rewards really are way out in the fringe of how far past that document you can go. And if you can nail that, you stand to improve the quality of life for somebody for every moment for the rest of their life. So I, tr- I kind of distill that down into a uh, design philosophy, and infuse that into the studio that I have now, and try to kind of get everyone to think along these lines. And it's not a profound philosophy, but it works for us. And it's, we we work with prosthetic limbs. And the first thing you see about prosthetic limbs is that they are engineering brilliance. Uh, They can do amazing things. They can return all kinds of functionality and performance back to somebody's life. But from the vantage of an industrial designer, They're not quite there. What we don't see is the sculpture or the beauty or the individual qualities or the uniqueness or the the elegance to them. They are brilliant, mechanical, utilitarian devices. And that's great, except for a lot of people, that, that doesn't work. People come to our studio all the time and they have bubble wrap and duct tape trying to approximate their original form. Or they'll have a gym sock stuffed with other gym socks to try to recreate the shape that once was. And that to us is not thriving. The body to us is not a mechanical entity where mechanical only solutions can address them. It's, some, it's our personal sculpture. It's our kinematic sculpture. It is our canvas. It represents not just our physicality, but also a lot of our personality as well. And so when you're designing for the body, maybe the thing isn't to design for mass production, but to design with the body in mind. To really think about curves instead of hard geometry or uniqueness instead of identical. And the problem is that we're constrained by mass production, which makes a million identical things, but can't make one unique individualized thing. So we scrap that in the new design process, and we start with the person. This is a three-dimensional scanner, and that's what happens when you scan something. You get three-dimensional data that you get into your computer. Now, you can take the sound side limb there, the surviving limb, mirror it over, and from now on, anything in the process will recreate symmetry, something is as personal and as hard to achieve as symmetry in the body. And you create a product that, no matter what, is going to be as unique as their fingerprint. And, in fact, our process is incapable of creating two identical things. So we run it through computer modeling, 3D CAD, and here we actually infuse a lot of the, the design, the, uh, the individual's taste and personality into it everywhere we can. And we three-dimensionally print the results. We call the resulting parts fairings because they're named after the, the panels on a motorcycle that turn it from a mechanical thing into a sculptural thing. And so we tried this on Chad. And Chad is a competitive soccer player, lost his leg eight years ago to cancer, and you can imagine it's really tricky to play soccer when you have titanium pipe where there used to be a leg. And so the resulting parts recreated his shape and deliberately had an aesthetic that looked like sporting gear. It, we wanted to make it look like he just pulled it out of the gym bag. So it's, it's fairly um, fairly utilitarian in that regard. Two things happened. One, we expected his sense of his body came back to him. He's suddenly able to control the ball to feel the ball because his body remembered that original shape that he had had up until eight years ago. The, th- the other thing, though, is that the other members of the team stopped thinking of him as the amputee on the team. Not that they didn't know, but it stopped becoming a focal point for him. And there's a certain very quiet value in that that, that, that uh, we like to believe. James lost his leg in a motorcycle crash, and the motorcycle is still a big part of James's personality and style. Check out the tattoo on his forearm. We three-dimensionally printed that into what would be his calf. So he has his tattoo, he has his morphology, and he has the materials of his motorcycle. And the result is kind of interesting in that you can't really tell at first glance where the motorcycle stops and where James starts. It's kind of a chimera hybrid between the two. And and that James likes that. So... We don't ever try to make something look like it could be human. Our whole goal is to be unapologetically man-made. To take what's already there, morphology, and just make it really cool and beautiful. Make it something that somebody can't wait to show the world. Because that changes their look. You don't look at him and say, he's an amputee with a prosthetic. You say, he's a guy with something really cool going on. Deborah wanted her curves back, but she also just wanted what came out of it to be really sexy, which is great for us to hear. We created this lace pattern that lends itself well to three-dimensional printing and created the first leg, I think, where the lace defines the contour of the leg instead of the leg giving form to the lace. So we kind of switch things over. What I like about this shot is you can see daylight through it. So we're not trying to hide anything. The load-bearing carbon component is totally visible. We're just giving it form and shape and contours that were hers to begin with. We made her another leg that matched her purse, just because we could. (laughs) And we made another one where we laser tattooed the leather, because how cool would it be to be able to change your tattoos out from one minute to the next? Love that. We tried to capture as much of somebody's personality as we can. This is George. Um, His will be finished next week. And... This is, this is the raw computer data that we deal with. He's kind of a, a classic timeless-type personality, and so we, we did herringbone tweed, but in, in polished nickel. And Uwe was all too proud to show his tattoos, and, and so we are laser-tattooing those into the leather. And part of it is, yes, we're showing off because we can do this, but the other part is this connects him to what will be a part of him. And there's something really valuable. We believe in that. Um, tattoos are especially exciting for us. What happens if you take the tattoo which is a combination of somebody's personal taste and choice and their morphology. But now let's say you remove the person. So now you get free-floating tattoo defining their body. So everything we do is about recreating and expressing something that means something to that person and expressing that through what will be their body, whether it's speed or attitude or bling, whatever it is that captures and suggests them in the best way that we can. So... Back to the 3D printing thing and this whole process. Now, we have a process that lends itself to making one thing per person, very individual, and it actually really lends itself well to complexity. So why not just print the entire leg? So that's actually the concept that preceded the work that we're doing now. This is a three-dimensionally printed leg. It's symmetric to the other leg. It is made in America. It is a trivially low-carbon footprint to create, curbside recyclable. costs about $4,000 to create... It is dishwasher safe. <laughs> There's a value to that, too. People don't think about that all the time. But yes, throw it in the dishwasher. It works just great. Um, this was based on the original idea that I could go anywhere in the world with nothing more than a camera and laptop computer, use the camera as a 3D scanner, and create for somebody in a matter of hours a very high-quality, three-dimensionally printed leg for a very low cost. The proof of concept works great. We're refining it. We'll get there. Or we upped the, the quality of the materials and created this for John. Now, the fun thing with John's leg here is that when his fiancée looked at this, she kind of joked and she said, I like that leg better than that leg. <laughs> and it's, it's a joke. I mean, she knows full well what he goes through, but at the same time, there's something very valuable. He turned to us and he said, nobody says that. He's never heard that in his life. And there's something that, that connected with him very deeply. So we like to think that this is a new type of design, where you're kind of turning the original process on its head, where there's a dialogue that forms between the designer and the end user, where the designer relinquishes some of the control. Designers hate doing that. And instead is a curator of a process. And the end user relinquishes their body into the process and their taste. And I like to think this speaks to a greater change that's happening in the design world altogether. And in this case, one where products will be evaluated on how well they address the individual And that uh, the, the individual will actually be part of the DNA of the product, the end product itself. And where we'll be evaluating products on how well they address a person, a unique person, instead of a demographic model. And this all really hit home for us in one of the first legs we did when Chad here put on the leg, reached down and felt it, and thought about it for a while. And he turned to us and he said, that's the first time I've felt that shape in eight years. And so we thought about that and for all the technology and all the nights and energy we put into it, it's like that's really all we wanted to hear. Thanks.